And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last week, we heard, right before this, um, that astounding story of Jesus casting out um, the demon. And uh, he was preaching as one with authority. That's what really threw them off, that he would preach and teach with authority. In other words, the word that he spoke did what it said. And today we actually see how that continues on as he goes about healing um, and raising, healing the sick and well, eventually raising the dead. Uh, you might actually find, if you look at Mark's gospel, these, this first chapter, that Mark is actually following the pattern of the Ten Commandments. All right, so last week we actually heard the third commandment. We heard about hearing God's word, preaching and teaching. Remember the explanation of the third commandment, that we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but gladly hear and learn it, which is what you're doing this moment. So we had the authority of God's word established um, in, those, in verses 21 to 28. Now today, beginning in verse 29, where does Jesus end up but at Simon Peter's mother, or Simon Peter's house where his mother-in-law is ill with a fever. This is where we learn that Peter, uh, of course, was married and presumably not anymore at this point. His wife is probably deceased. But his mother-in-law has a fever. Now, we heard the third commandment. This would be actually then the fourth commandment, wouldn't it? Honor your father and your mother. Right? And here even mother-in-laws get honored too. <laughs> You, you know that's included in the commandment, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, mother-in-law is with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. We don't hear what he preached, but we know he did, because this is how Jesus always works. He attaches his word to his gifts of physical healing in this case. So, he came, took her by the hand, presumably said something to her, like, get up, <laughs> lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. So we see how already we have the fourth commandment now being addressed. And one of the things we want to note is that uh, Jesus' word is not simply just a mental exercise. So notice how it didn't get stuck in the synagogue uh, where, like you, um, good German people sitting in nice straight rows and Jesus sits up in front and um, instructs them and they all dutifully listen. Um, maybe they ask a question or two. Um, but probably uh, they just have that stunned, dazed look on their face, like, like you do in Bible class with me. <laughs> All right? Uh, no, his word actually goes out and it goes forth into the world, and it does what it says. As we heard, it has authority. And that authority actually has to do not just with the mind or the intellect or even just the spirit, you know, our, our uh, things of faith, but actually also is connected to the body. And Jesus, of course, made you, a whole person, and however you want to bifurcate you into multiple parts, if you want to go with the Greeks, with um, mind and, and body, or if you want to do mind, body, and spirit, more of the Hebrew way of thinking, it doesn't matter. You are a whole person, and when Jesus addresses you with his word, he's addressing the whole person. So, um, he's not simply preaching the gospel as an abstract idea, that there is good news, and it's, well whatever he feels like saying that day. No, the good news is very specific. 
And that good news that he preaches is the same good news you hear. Namely, that he forgives them their sins. He goes about preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We heard that at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark two weeks ago. So, and with forgiveness of sins, this is not, again, not just an idea, but it actually has effect upon you. One, to set free your conscience, your spirit, so that you can live unburdened by, by your sins. But also, it begins to remove the curse of sin. If you remember, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? That's what Paul says. So, where there is forgiveness of sins, we say in the Catechism, there is also life and salvation. We get to see this already at work as Jesus goes about preaching the gospel and healing, um, casting out demons or healing, as the case may be. Right. Uh, now, unfortunately for us, we have to live by faith. Um, sometimes, maybe not as often as we'd like, Jesus does give us that opportunity to see um, his healing touch. We've been praying for Wendell. We've been praying for him for months, asking Jesus to heal for him. Actually, probably more than months, a year or more. Uh, and the Lord did. He gave the doctor skill, and um, the treatments were effective, and his cancer is in remission. So sometimes we do get to experience the fruits of not only Jesus' promise of resurrection, um, but also Jesus answering our prayers. More on that in a minute. So also then, we had fourth commandment, right? Honor your father and your mother and your mother-in-law. And now, what's the next commandment? The fifth commandment. Uh, now, you've learned it as, of course, you shall not murder. And, but Luther rightly teaches us that there is a positive to every commandment. The fifth commandment, the positive, is to help your neighbor in their body and life. So at evening, at sundown, as it goes, the demons come out. And so they brought to him all those who were oppressed by demons and those who were sick. It seemed the whole city was gathered at the door. And there he is, with his word, preaching forgiveness and giving them a taste of the resurrection, even a bit early. So he was healing many who were sick with their diseases and casting out the demons. Notice that he's very concerned about his word, so much so that he even refuses to allow the demons to speak. His word must predominate, and he silences even the demons, so that that's what they hear. Because again, his word gives life, life now and absolutely life eternal in the resurrection. So now we've had the third commandment, the fourth commandment, and the fifth commandment. But you also then see what Jesus does. This is the case with Mark. He just goes from story to story. Immediately, immediately, everything's moving along very fast. Uh, he goes to his desolate place where he likes to pray, Jesus. And you notice that then coupled with the hearing of God's word, or the preaching of God's word, both the hearer and the preacher then go about praying. This pattern, of course, is what we're going to do today. We've already said some prayers, but we, having heard the word of God and hearing the promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation that Jesus gives, then we're going to pray for that to be accomplished amongst us. And we'll actually receive that accomplished amongst us in his body and blood in the supper. This is the point of prayer. Actually, we don't even know what to pray for until we first hear what Jesus promises. Confident prayer prays according to the promises. So, he goes to his desolate place and prays, but of course, Simon says, the job's not done yet, Jesus. Everyone is looking for you. 
And so then we get all the way back full circle to the third commandment, and he goes about to all the towns, preaching to them. And he says that's the reason he's come out. Now, the, the healing and the casting out of demons, the raising of Peter's mother-in-law uh, from her fever, these are all good gifts from Jesus, and we don't want to diminish them. But you'll note then at the end, he's very careful to remind us, and Marcus, the evangelist, that that's not the chief reason he came out. That's actually a fruit of the preaching of the gospel. So that's why he comes back to the gospel to say, Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. But where that good news is preached, he promises to work. And work not just in an intellectual sense, or even just um, in a spiritual sense, but actually to work for the benefit of the whole person, so that you can experience um, a taste of the resurrected life even now. Christians gather together around Jesus to hear where he's put his word, maybe in the voice of the preacher, or into the water of the font, or attaching his word to, again, physical means of his body and blood under bread and wine in the supper. Caring for not only for your, your spirit or your soul, but also for your body. This is why the ancients, as you've probably heard me say before, the ancients called the Lord's Supper the medicine of immortality. That is, it actually sets apart the curse of death in the forgiveness of sins we receive in the supper. And maybe we also then get to taste for a time a little bit of that resurrection. So it has been the practice of the church in, since ancient times to bring the supper to those who are sick or infirm because we actually believe that Jesus will work healing for them through that body and blood. Caring for not only for their soul, that is forgiving their sins and setting their conscience free, but for their body, to give them a taste of the resurrection even now. May God grant that this word do what it says, as he has promised, to give you not only forgiveness, but also a taste of the resurrected life now. In Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.